This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. This raptor has not been named. You can name it Easter Bunny. No, we don't want to name it Easter Bunny. Well, how about, how about um, Spider Man? Fox Rapid. Fox Rapid. It's this episode comes to you from two places. First, this episode comes to you from a listener's invitation to join him and his river guiding peers on a river trip. And second, this episode is an introduction to you of our second new contributing host at the River Radius. I'll start with the email invitation. This summer, an email came to the Hello at the River Radius account asking if the River Radius would like to go on a river trip with the National Ability Center. They were inviting us to learn how they help people get on river trips and all kinds of outdoor activities who may otherwise not have the ability to do so because of various barriers because of access. My answer was yes. We will join you on your river trip, meet the guides, meet the participants for the trip, for the day, record, and build an episode. So earlier this summer, we met the crew at about 7 a.m. at their boathouse, loaded into their truck with coffee and microphones, and headed to the river. Before you hear that conversation in the truck, I want to introduce you to the second new and contributing host for the River Radius. For this day trip, I was joined by Samara Rosen. Samara is our new contributing host here at the River Radius podcast. Samara and I have been working together to build this episode, and Samara is also building another episode that is hers alone, and that will publish this fall. Please meet Samara Rosen. We are standing here uh, alongside the, the Colorado River, north and east of Moab, up in uh, the Castle Valley area. We can see the big mountains behind us, the LaSalle's. Samara, can you give us the basic introduction of who you are? Hi, I'm Samara Rosen. I'm a river person. I have that philosophy that you protect what you love. And I fell head over heels in love with rivers through river guiding. And since then have done all kinds of shenanigans to support river conservation from running citizen science programs to guide education programs um, to helping organize some campaigns. You have been uh, doing some podcast work of sorts over the past, uh, I kind of think, couple years. Tell me about your podcast work you've been doing. I did a, a year-long thesis studying the link between river guides and river conservation. So I traveled all over California interviewing river guides and river activists. And just, you know, like when you are podcasting, you kind of enter into this really intimate portal with someone. Um, and I got to hear all of these amazing river stories and just kind of had this profound connection over like our love of rivers and realized like, Oh my gosh, I want to capture these stories. I want to share these stories. Um, so it's no surprise that I found river radius. If you had the opportunity to express to the listener, some of your layers as a, as a, as, as a river reporter, I don't know what we call this, a river podcaster, a person out here trying to express stories around rivers. What's, what's a reason, a deep in reason that you want to tell stories to the people on the other end of this microphone and speaker? So when I was becoming a guide, I went through guide school. 
I was 17, so I wasn't quite old enough to work for the company I had trained with. And so I did ride-alongs where I would sit on the back of the raft with an experienced guide and hear their interpretation of the river, hear their stories. And I did this day after day after day for a summer and absolutely loved it. And just all of the stories and cow jokes and a perspective that a guide can bring, you know, it's a really intimate connection to the river. I got to hear it for a, a summer. And it's a, I think a side of guiding that not everyone has seen, a side of rivers that not everyone has seen. Um, but that's why we're here is to capture those stories and share those stories. I would also say that as a, as a river guide, I have a bit of a unique philosophy. Um, so I've been guiding in California, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah. I have this philosophy that guiding is about teaching people how to play with rivers. And that really stems from my, my own process of falling in love with rivers, which started on the American in California. The American is an unpermitted, pretty much day stretch. And so you, you work some trips during the day, but then you get off of work and then everyone just grabs their kayaks and inflatable swans and riverboards and jumps back on the river. And we had this saying like, oh, you know, I know every rock on this river because I've hit every rock on this river. But we've also swum every rapid and hit, you know, like played in a way that um, we knew the river really intimately. And that's what I try to bring to my philosophy guiding. And I think that's also a side of of rivers that I like to bring out in the stories that I capture. You got a cow joke for us? What do you call a cow? This just jumped over a barbed wire fence. Utter distraction. <laughs> oh All right, that's it. Anything else you want to tell us? That's it. Okay. I'll see you on the river. Welcome to the River Radius. Thank you, Sam. Stoked to be here. So now that you have met Samara, we start off driving in the National Ability Center truck headed to the river. We are with the river guides, and we will meet the participants at the river. We start off with Karen Locke, program manager for NAC, telling us about NAC and the work they do on the river. The National Ability Center is an adaptive program based out of Park City, Utah and Moab, Utah. We run tons of different types of programming for folks of all abilities. So about 30% of our folks that we take are veterans, about 30% of the folks that we take have uh, intellectual or cognitive disabilities and about 20% usually have physical disabilities. So we take a large variety of folks. Up north, we do cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, equestrian, hippotherapy, camps, rock climbing, like the list keeps going on and on. Down here in Moab, we are a smaller portion of uh, the NAC and we run rafting trips primarily. And can you tell me a little bit about today's trip and your rafting program? Today's trip is with Turn Community Services. It's a group that we've been taking on the river for, I want to say, over 35 years. Uh, they're a great group. We love taking them. A lot of our participants that come with us come year after year, which is one of the great things about this job is that you get to see the same participants year after year, and you get to see you know, familiar faces. Uh, we are running the Fisher Towers day trip today, so it's just outside of Moab. We're going to cover about seven miles, but we run a variety of different river trips. So we can run everything from Cataract Canyon to Westwater, Desolation, uh, Ruby Horse Thief, Labyrinth Canyon. Uh, we got a whole wide range of different river trips that we can run anywhere from one day up into six days. Something that I'm really curious about is how 
NAC makes river trips accessible. What are your techniques? Charlie, you want to take that one? Sure. Yeah, so one thing that definitely plays into our favor when we're making these trips accessible is that rafting is pretty easily adaptable when you come down to the technical aspects of it. We do see a very wide range of ability levels, like Karen mentioned. So every trip is different. There's no one-size-fits-all solution, but in reality, there's uh, uh, really simple you know, techniques that we use, like getting an adaptive chair rigged to one of our boats. You'll see that today. It's essentially just um, an old plastic lawn chair with the legs cut off and then extra padding that we've kind of rigged to the, to the chair itself, which I think that's the most visible adaptive technique that we use on the river, but then also things like having shade structures available and you know, wet towels to help people regulate their internal temperatures and so forth. And then uh, all of the guides have gone through ability awareness training and, and things like that. So we're all in tune and, and ready to kind of mix and match what equipment we have to meet the ability levels of our participants. There's, there's part of me that thinks those things are things I bring, like a padded seat, sarongs and all that. I'm curious, how is that different than the stuff I bring? Well, really, a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff is similar to the things that you bring. Things like our adaptive chairs and our biminis, uh, they might be a little bit more hefty, and their only use is for people with varying ability or varying needs. Really, what you'll see today are adaptive chair. I'm doubting that you bring a pretty bulky lawn chair and put it on your boat, and then we have pads that we cut out from you know, old PFDs and, and stuff like that. To answer your question, a lot of it is the same stuff that you bring on your trips. We just use it in different ways. I can add on to that too. Some of the other tactics that we use on our expedition style trips, we have a groover that's wider than most groovers. Uh, It's a Johnny Partner and it has handles on either side. And then we have built a adaptive frame that goes around the Johnny partner and it is made of metal and so it is a good handhold for people to transfer if they're using a wheelchair it actually gives them a place to hold onto so they can transfer out of their wheelchair onto the groover themselves and they don't need assistance doing that we also use some old school groover tents so it's just like a three walled shelter put it around the groover facing away from camp and that enables us to actually set the groover closer to camp so people can wheel themselves up to the groover themselves and transfer in and out that's a little bit of the way that we maintain independence for people on trips because it's i mean it's hard for all of us when we get outdoors to maintain that independence but especially for people you know who using wheelchairs and things like that that can be a little bit of a difficult thing Um, we have to rely a lot on each other so we're relying on each other to help us get you know wheelchairs up on steep banks like on ruby horse leaf and things like that so a lot of it is teamwork but then we have these small tools to help us along the way also the river radius is welcoming a new sponsor today lava box what is lava box lava box builds portable campfires They start with a metal ammo can, like the ones you might use to store your personal items on river trips. This box is about the size of a shoebox. They add pipe fittings, a metal shelf, some fire rocks. On the outside, you connect the box to a propane tank, a tank just like the ones used with a grill. Turn on the propane, light the fuel, set the flame height, and you have a portable campfire. It's that simple. You can use these on river trips, on other camping trips, backyard parties, cool nights at the beach, in the parking lot after a day of skiing, sledding parties with your kids. They pack up easy and fit in your boat or your vehicle. 
These are designed and hand-built by my friend Josh at Lavabox. Josh has volunteered for the last 10 years with ability access groups like NAC, who is featured in this episode. Today, Josh volunteers with Team River Runner, supporting ability access for veterans and their families. These portable campfires are hand-built in Colorado by a River Runner. You can find Lavabox online at www.fireanytime.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Nissan has a lot of trucks and cars to choose from. Today we're going to look at their newly updated Frontier midsize truck. And in the middle of this episode, we're going to talk about their fully electric vehicles. The Nissan Frontier, this is a midsize four-wheel drive truck. It has a new look for 2022. Check it out. It's pretty sharp looking. This Nissan Frontier comes in two styles. They have the crew cab with four doors and a short or a long bed. Or they have the king cab model with a long bed. What is important to me in a truck is how much weight it can carry and pull. And what I really mean is, can the truck get me and a stack of riverboats and my river friends to the boat ramp? Does it drive and feel safe? And can it keep those speeds steady when we're driving uphill with all that load? That's my criteria. This new Nissan Frontier has a six-cylinder, 310-horsepower engine with a nine-speed transmission. That's providing a lot of power and a lot of smooth shifting of gears. And this truck can carry about 12 to 1,600 pounds in the truck, and it can pull a trailer with about 6,200 pounds of total weight. In riverboat terms, that is several boats and frames and boxes and coolers, all your dry bags and your water jugs that are full, and yes, even your friends or my friends, maybe all of them. Check out your Denver area Nissan dealers in person and online at www.nissanusa.com. Tell them. The River Radius Podcast sent you. I would imagine that there's some sort of process in place for understanding what the clients need, uh, all the way to creating that, that thing or those resources. Could you tell me about that process? Yeah, so our process for uh, getting people signed up for the rafting trip, it's pretty similar to other rafting trips, but we do ask a lot more questions. So it starts with our reservations team up north. They get ability grids together that let us know a certain amount of information about the participants' level of physical ability. And then we will ask additional questions. And I think that's the biggest thing with adaptive is that you just have to be able to ask questions in a respectful way that are pertinent to what you're about to do you know it's not uncommon for me to say what's your swimming ability or do you want to try to do this yourself or things like that um we just ask a lot of questions we have a lot of patience and a lot of these groups like i said we've been taking on the river for many many years so just having that repertoire with a lot of the group leaders and a lot of the participants it's nice to be able to know them personally and then know when they're coming on a rafting trip and say like oh this gentleman needs this and this gentleman needs that and that sort of thing and you mentioned an ability grid could you tell me a little bit about what some of the factors are that go into that sure so our ability grid has information on each of our participants we call our customers participants because they are expected to participate in this journey in this expedition down the river an ability grid just categorizes some information so something that you would see on a normal waiver their name when they sign the waiver their media release things like that but then it will also have spaces for um, of course dietary restrictions and allergies and then of course most important for us it has their swimming ability 
disability and it has their primary diagnosis and secondary diagnosis, whether they use walking assistance or things like that. So something that I'm curious about, I think that rafting involves a lot of trust. Um, like the difference between an oar raft where a guide is very much in control all the way to a ducky where the guide might not even be in the boat. What's the decision-making process around deciding what vessels to take given the background of some of your participants? Sure. So the different vessels that we bring are determined based upon ability level. We can bring center-mounted oar frames, paddle rafts with the stern frame on the back, paddle rafts, or inflatable kayaks. And we usually bring a variety of those on our trips. Um, This trip, I know that they do like to lounge around a little bit more under the shade structure, so that's why we're bringing the center frames. But really, it's just getting to know the groups and deciding, you know, would this be something that's appropriate for them? And we believe very much in something called the dignity of risk, which basically means that just because someone has a differing ability doesn't mean that they aren't able to say, like, I'm willing to take on some risk with this. You know, we want people to get out of their comfort zone to a certain degree. We want people to try out the inflatable kayaks, even if it's just in the flat water. But if they get through a rapid, like, woohoo, that's even better. I'm wondering if there are systems or tactics or tools that you use for facilitating your trips safely to make rafting even more accessible. Yeah, so taking visually impaired, for example, like if they can't see us um, or have a or having difficulty seeing us, we will use more vocal cues, less hand cues, less hand signals um, because they can't see them. Uh, and then at camps, like, you know, things we might do are we might string lines, like, from the kitchens or to the bathrooms, like, from their tents and stuff, just, like, to help them move around. But these are just things that you, like, you have already. Like, we, like, a lot of times for those, like, string, we use, like, throwbacks. So it's just, like, uh, things that you need, that you, you think about when you're there and you just use the equipment that you have at hand. What about some of the others? What about uh, people with hearing impairments? Earlier this summer, we were lucky enough to be on a five-day Desolation Canyon trip. The majority of the the participants on that trip had hearing impairments or were members of the deaf community. And uh, you kind of get the flip side of that, like what Josh mentioned, using more vocal cues as opposed to uh, hand cues with visually impaired participants. It was really awesome on that trip, on the Desolation Canyon trip, to see everyone, including the guides, Uh, just picking the brains of the interpreters and interacting with the participants and trying to learn as much sign language as possible. Uh, We have hand signals that we use as guides. So, you know, signal, hey, we're eddying out. Hey, we're we're going now. Is everyone ready? Are you okay? Stuff like that. And it was cool kind of seeing those signs turn into actual sign languages as the trip progressed. So um, I think everyone, all the guides, we just have, you know, a willingness and and ability to learn and uh, you know, it's always a process. You're not going to be perfect um, with your adaptability right right from the gate. But uh, as long as you're willing to, to learn and get better every day, then I think we all do a really good job of um, picking up on cues and figuring out what works best for each group. The signs, you're talking about the Eddie out, the let's go signs. Are those the standard signs that, that kind of river runners use in a lot of settings that you're then incorporating with your clients on those trips? Yeah, so it was, it was interesting. Um, Obviously, the, those standard signs that we use as boaters, like those are not 
a part of you know the the ASL American Sign Language like set of signs. It was cool seeing the participants that we had on that trip start to utilize those uh, universal boating signs. Then also we kind of uh, swapped out a few signs for some for some American Sign Language signs for that trip. Like, are you ready? Typically, we would raise our arms straight up in the air, and then that's a question and an answer. But uh, as the trip moved on, we started doing this. We, you know, you make an R in the ASL R with your hand, and then shake it. That's ready in sign language. So we were doing this. Yeah, so uh, to make an R, you just take your uh, index finger and middle finger and you cross them, hold it up straight in the air, and then kind of wave it. That's ready in sign language. What are some other ways that you've adapted to communication styles? I'm thinking the safety talk or even paddle commands. Um, I can take that one. Uh, so a lot of times when it comes to, like, like you're talking about like safety talks and our, like when we're trying to impart information to our clients um if they have if there is some sort of um barrier to that communication uh we do whatever we can to uh move past that or like to come up with a um a device that can help us through that so a lot of times with our people with autism or sensory disabilities we'll use like pictures and or like little stickers that kind of can describe what I'm saying in a, in a visual way so that their attention span doesn't have to be totally on my words. Also, you got to make it fun. You got to, you got to get them involved. So, um, just like gauging that participant and seeing, like making sure they're paying attention and seeing or listening to what you have to say. And it's getting across to them using all, all different types of, uh, language. I'm trying to imagine the signs and the images, are these things that are like big posters? Are they laminated? Can you tell me more? Yeah, we have these like, um, these little books uh, that yeah, they have these little laminated picture cards in them that like, you can even make sentences out of them. If um, we have people who can't communicate verbally, but they can communicate with these little pictures, it's like, um, they got little Velcro on the back, so it'll be like, I want is one picture and I can't remember exactly what the picture looks like right now, but looks like somebody saying I want something and that goes first and then they can like say, and then they can add like the food that they want or like I want food or like I want to swim or you know, I want to play or I want to nap or whatever. And then the, the phrases can go like, there's a 50 dozens of different phrases we can make with these little books. And yeah, they're just little laminated little squares that kind of can just help with that communication barrier if, if, they, if they can't verbally communicate it to you. I'd love for everyone to meet you. Can I just pass the mic around and you can say your name and how you got involved with the National Ability Center? Sure, my name is Karen Locke. I have been with the National Ability Center now for about six years. I came from a commercial rafting background and I've been the program manager here for five seasons. I'm Josh uh, Anderson. I've been at the, here at the NAC for a little over four years. Um, started as a therapeutic recreation intern and have done everything since. Great. I'm Charlie Gustafson. I'm the Southern Utah Operations Manager for the NAC. It's my first summer down here. Um, I do come from a guiding background. That was sort of my summer job throughout college and, uh, and looking for 
new experiences on new rivers. I came across the NAC and it, it checked so many boxes in terms of what I wanted to do going forward. So really happy to be here. What are the boxes that it checked? Uh, well, to be completely frank, uh, after college, uh, after I graduated, I, I got you know a desk job and I needed some more adventure and some more fulfillment in my life that I wasn't really necessarily getting um, in that stage of my life. So I actually initially looked for volunteer opportunities with the NAC and uh, then I started you know, thinking, what the heck, I can uh, poke around in the actual job openings. And when I saw this position was available and started reading the description, I was like, wow, I think that's something that uh, would bring more excitement and more fulfillment to my life. I heard a lot of description in there, but I, I kind of really feel like I'm hearing that at this job, you get to wear flip-flops to work and a, your other head to wear shoes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I get a, I get a cool uh, sandal tan working here. Can you tell us what you're doing and where we are? Uh, currently, I'm driving a truck and trailer with three uh, center frame boats on the back. We're driving from Moab to Hiddle Bottom Boat Ramp. Uh, that's where we're going to start our trip for the day. And what's down there to your left? Uh, the Colorado River. Awesome. We've arrived. We've arrived at the boat ramp, so time to go rig boats, it seems. Thank you. Yes. We did all the things that happen at boat ramps. Getting boats together, moving lots of things from one place to another, and standing around admiring the river and all the beauty. And as with many river trips, this one started with a safety talk. So the next step, everyone, I, we need to do a quick safety speech. There's one main thing we're going to be giving you guys in a second here. It's that stack of PFDs, your personal flotation devices. Everyone's going to be wearing one of those uh, throughout the day, and we'll show you how to put those on in a second. Um, if for some reason you're super far away from the boat in the water, we might throw you this bag. This bag has a bunch of rope in it, so we would uh, it would uncoil, and then we try to get the bag close to you. Once it's close to you, you're gonna want Once all of us had PFDs on, and we got to the river's edge and to the boats, we started to load onto the boats. Transfers are the action of people helping others on the trip get on and off the boat, people who need extra support with the transition from the sandy and muddy riverside onto and over the big slippery tubes of the river raft. Here is a transfer that I was able to help with. Lavabox is sponsoring the River Radius and our episode about ability access in the National Ability Center. Earlier in this episode, we talked about the shoebox-sized portable campfire. Lavabox also has a larger version. They call it the Krakatoa Fire Breather. These are built using the 20 mil ammo cans that frequently are used on river trips to carry food or trash on the river. The Krakatoa will slide right into a rocket box bay in your boat frame. Josh and Lava Box first came up with the idea of this portable campfire as a tool to prevent forest fires. When the wind picks up and fans your fire, you can just turn down the flame. When it's time to crawl in your sleeping bag for the night, just turn off the fire and close the lid. No embers blowing in the wind. Josh, the guy behind the Lava Box, is a longtime river guide and you can find him volunteering with Team River Runner supporting ability access for veterans. These Lava Box portable campfires are the best portable campfires available, and they are hand-built 
in Colorado by a river runner. You can find Lava Box online at www.fireanytime.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Nissan has been building fully electric vehicles for 12 years and has over 5 billion miles on this fleet as a testament to their efficacy. That is billion with a B. Nissan has two electric vehicles to choose from. That is the Leaf and the new Aria. Both of these electric vehicles can handle most day runs on the river. You can put your friends in the car with you. You can have your boats loaded on the roof or in the hatch. You can throw a bike on a bike rack and run your own shuttle. The Nissan Leaf for 2022 has a range between 150 and 225 miles. This is a smaller car with four doors and a hatchback. You can easily add a roof rack system. You can also fold the seats down for inside cargo space. The second vehicle from Nissan is the new Aria. This will be available in the fall of 2022 and you can reserve this car now. This is a slick looking four door SUV, has lots of comfortable features and a range up to 300 miles and they even have an all wheel drive model. Again, you can reserve that Nissan Aria now. Check out your Denver area Nissan dealers in person and online at www.nissanusa.com. Tell them the River Radius podcast sent you. We pushed off from shore and joined the current. After about 20 minutes of floating and listening to folks talk, I climbed to the front of the raft I was riding on and sat with a total of six people that included Karen, our river guide, and the staff escorting the participants from their homes. I asked questions. I listened. We talked. All right. I'm going to ask questions. Okay. Go for it. And this is recording you. Red light's on, so we're all oh, I love okay. it. in Go record it. mode. Tell me first off, where describe describe where we are. We're in Moab, in the Colorado River. And Just yeah. having fun. <laughs> look at the nice scenery. What's, yeah. it, what's it look like? So there's like lots of red rocks. Yep. And there's a house. What about the thing you keep pointing out to us? Yeah. <laughs> the like rock, the three priests, three priests and a nun. Help me out here, dudes. Uh, there's water. lots of greenery and shrubs. And it's dirty water. Brown. Yeah. You right. don't want to drink it. I learned the hard way. <laughs> somebody told me it was chocolate milk. So tell me, please, why did you choose to come on the river trip today? Because it's fun and I like the people. Is this your first time out? Nope. How many times have you been? It's like three or four. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. It's your turn. Hi, can you tell me, how's how's it going? Fine, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can you tell me, why why did you decide to come on the river? Because I like to be with my wife and we can do lots of fun things and we can see um, same lady who took us on the river trip last year. And new people. New people. The river guide that we have here today, she took you down last year. Yep. Yeah, you, you like her? Yep. Good, good. She does good work. She's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when you get done with the river, what's your what's your favorite memory typically? Going home and having dinner and um, <laughs> going to sleep. You like that part? I like that part too. Actually, <laughs> it's a pretty good part That's of the day. That's too funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anything else? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Thanks for telling me things. Mm-hmm. What about you? You ready? Yes. How many times have you been on the river? 
This is my second time. Uh-huh. And before you got back here today, well, did you have mem- like pictures in your mind of the river? Some I had like going some we all took turns on like rowing and stuff, so I got to do that. And looking at all the plants in the rocks. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> Those are look like desert plants. You think you'll come back next year? I probably will. I'm saving up for Disneyland, actually. Oh, wow. Well, I would love to come back here. Yeah. Be fun. And you have a job. Yeah, I volunteer at the St. George Children's Museum, and I love it. And you live on your own? Yes, I yep. do. And so how does Turn, how does Turn help you? So there are two organizations we were talking about on this trip. The first is the National Ability Center, NAC, and you've heard the description of NAC from Karen, Josh, and Charlie. The second organization we are working with is TURN. TURN is an organization in the state of Utah that hosts all of these homes where all of these different folks on today's trip live and supports them in their various lifestyles. So as you hear people talking about TURN, that's what they are saying, and a little bit later in the episode, you will hear more description in depth about TURN. How does TURN... How does TURN help you? They help me. They're my payee. And they have a card. And then I, my uh, staff, she, we get on my laptop to order food, order the groceries. And then when it's time to go grocery shopping, we go pick them up. So you don't have to go in the store. They just right. do the curbside. Right. Yeah. Fun stuff. What's grocery shopping? That's kind of. Yeah, that's not kind of fun. Like, like we, we go, go to girls night. We got girls night yeah, every th- other Thursday, and we go to different places, and that's fun. Like where do you go? Last one we last time we went to uh, Tiffany's. It's a restaurant. Did you have breakfast there? Breakfast so at Tiffany's. No, I I had uh, French dip. Yeah. I love the French dip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what other trips do you go on each year? So you, you, you're doing the river trip this year. You did it last year. You're saving up for Disneyland. We went on a cruise. Where'd you go? To uh, Mexico. Is that nice? It's on the ocean? Time. Yeah, first time on a cruise. That was fun. Yeah. Did all of you go on the cruise together? No. no. Just a few people. All right. Anything else you want to tell me? That's about all I can think of. If you got more later, tell me. I'll come okay. back. Okay. All right, your turn. You ready? Tell me Tell me about your day. What's going on today? Uh, um, this is my first time going on the river, river rafting. Yeah. And you were kind of nervous this morning. You, you almost didn't go. Yeah. You almost just stayed in the van and drove around with the other people. Mm-hmm. What changed your mind? I came. But why did you change your mind? Because it was fun. Yeah. Did you row the boat? Yeah. How did that feel? It. Was it hard? It was. It was hard. Yeah. And you had some help doing that. Yeah. A little lesson. Uh huh. Can you tell me what the river looks like? Um. Um. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> why is it gross? You you, don't, you can't drink it. You can't drink it. Yeah, it's not, it's right. It's not the kind of water you'd want to drink today. 
Do you have a job? No. No? I got to turn. They help me. They help me. Tell them about the art center. The art center is fun. Yeah, what do you do there? Do you paint? No, I paint. It's like fun. It's fun. I go there four days and then we go home. Do you, do you have some of the paintings in your apartment? Yes. Yeah, you got them on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's Brittany's turn. You're, you're all done. She's yeah. Brittany's turn. You learned about this from Eleanor? This trip, this river trip, you learned um, about it from Yeah, Eleanor? we talked about it in director's meeting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she kind of, she's our recreational mm -hmm. specialist. Is this your first time on the river? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And why did, like, what, in terms of just, like, choosing trips for your crew, what was the influence like what what influences you to say yeah let's do that as so i to actually not. every time one comes up or there's mention of one or even if one of my clients are like hey i want to go do this like disneyland is like not even a planned thing yet just a few of them want to go um i just talk to them and one thing especially with covid is we have missed out on so much so we're really trying to push every opportunity we can so they're having fun yeah what else, like, what else do you do in a week for fun? Bowling's a big one. Everybody loves their bowling. <laughs> I just go watch. And then a lot of them go to the art center at least a few days a week. They go to the museum. They do art classes, all sorts of things. Shopping. They do parties. <laughs> everything. It, and we ask them, too, like, what do you want to do? And if they come up with something, then we do it. And so it's really just like it's just a mix. Like the it's not a oh, focus yeah. on outdoor type. Let's go river rafting. Let's go camping. Let's go hiking. It's no, but anything. outdoor things are kind of easier. This is kind of mm -hmm. open, and if we want to be loud, we can be loud, and if we want to be crazy, <laughs> we can be crazy. So it's kind of fun to do these like big outdoor things. Yeah. So anything we can do, we just like to do it. I mean, money is always part of the decision. Sure. <laughs> But we just budget for it and we go, huh? Yep, we do. Yeah. I always budget. Yep. You're a pro. I'm a pro at budgeting and I can, then we just go. <laughs> How long have you been at TURN? Well, since 2010. Okay. And of all the, the, the kind of recreation things you've done over those, I think that's 12 years, maybe even more. What are some of your favorite memories? My favorite memories of the cruise is going to Mexico. <laughs> like this, like day after tomorrow, we're going to be doing karaoke, and, and I love doing that. What's your best karaoke song? My favorite karaoke song is Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Is it really? It really is. Oh my gosh, I have to come see that. That's awesome. Here we come. Here we come. We're not going to get wet. Oh, darn. Oh, wow, this is the best fun. This is a fun part. Yeah. <laughs> it really is.
While there is the simple joy of floating down a river, the conversations that you can have on the water, the views, the smells, all of that. Like so many river trips, there are other layers to the questions of why any of us go on river trips and even how we pull off traveling down the rivers. The trips that NAC puts on and the trips that Turn engages in are the same. Layers of work and reasons. Here is Eleanor Till, the therapeutic recreation specialist for Turn Community Services. From what I understand from the river guides and from the people she works with, she is the backbone of the recreation work that happens with Turn. And after Eleanor, you'll hear from other folks talking through the concepts of being on the river, why they are there, how they are there, and how valuable this is to all of their lives. Well, thanks for coming out. Would you tell me your name and you, and who you work for and your the nature of your work? I'm Eleanor Till, and I work for an agency called Turn Community Services. We provide services for people with intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities in the state of Utah, and I am the therapeutic recreation specialist, so I get the opportunity to plan all the river trips and the other fun trips. And we've been doing this for years, and we love it. And how many years have you been coming down here to the Colorado River with, with TURN and with, with NAC? I started in 1985 when I got to go on the first river trip. I'm curious, from your perspective, from your 37 years of time doing this, what, what is the outcome that you see and the value of this trip long term for the, the people at TURN? Realizing that you can do something that you didn't think you could do, possibly for some folks, knowing that you are a river runner, a new identity, not just the person with a disability or the person who's on supported employment. Um, if you fall out of the boat, knowing that you survived, <laughs> knowing that you can do stuff that you didn't think you could do. And I think just general self-esteem, it's, it's something different than who they thought they were. There's a young man who was involved in a shooting, had a brain injury, and when he first started coming to turn, he was pretty upset about that. He's someone who lives home with his mother, so he doesn't, he gets to do a lot of things, but not the same opportunities as some other folks might have, but he has changed significantly from the river trips. He's not um, thinking about tossing himself out of the van at the end of the trip. He's not as depressed. He's much more social. He's able to do more things physically and wanted. He, at first, he didn't really care so much about the physical part. And then um, because he wanted to do things like river trips, he started exercising more and working harder on the things he needed to be able to transfer himself and do more of it himself. So I'd say just overall, he's grown and definitely happier. In the car, we were talking a bit about risk, just the inherent risk that comes with rafting trips. What's the benefit of risk taking? I think what it comes down to is what somebody's rights are. Like, do you have the right to risk um, and like a right to leisure or a right to play a right to relax or a right to have fun? And a lot of times, you know, the risky activities are the most fun. So like if you have that right to fun, like you also have the right to risk and like you have the right to like make the decision for yourself like if if the risk is worth the reward to you and there's a lot of times where the bigger reward requires a slightly bigger risk and so like if you 
decide to say, oh, this is too risky for, for you to do as like a individual with like a spinal cord injury per se or what, whatever it might be, you're taking that right to fun or leisure away from them, which is, you know, in my opinion, you're, you're taking the choice away. And that's where like the education aspect comes in is like, cause we're teaching you how to mitigate that risk. It's not like you have the right to just go like risk your life and limb at, in the most dangerous way possible. Uh, we do try to limit that risk, but you still have the right to like choose to put yourself in those situations. I have a cool story. Can I share it? So my first year here at the National Ability Center, we were doing a Ruby Horse Thief Westwater trip and I had this gentleman, he was pretty young and he came, he had just been diagnosed with Frederick's ataxia, um, which is a degenerative disease. And he came using his wheelchair and we had set up an adaptive chair for him and everything. And he sat in it for maybe 10 minutes and then he was like crawling around the boat. He wanted to row a little bit. Um, And slowly through this like four day trip, he just became more and more independent. And there was one day that we stopped for lunch. We decided to go into Meat Canyon, like a quarter mile, maybe half a mile up into the canyon and take lunch with us. So we assisted everyone who was using wheelchairs. We assisted them into the canyon. We ate lunch. We hung out for a little while in the shade. And then we were about to head back. And this gentleman that I had in my boat for a couple of days, he said, I don't want any help getting back. I'm just going to crawl. I said, okay, great the sand's hot. Do you want some gloves? You know, there's cactus and stuff around. And he said, nope. And he crawled all the way back to our camp and to our boats. And, you know, he was in the hot sand and he got some, you know, bumps and he got a little bit, uh, torn up by the cactus and everything, but he made it back himself. And we were there just to support. I mean, we weren't like, you know, hovering around him like asking him every second if he was okay I mean he's an adult and he made that choice so for me that story in itself like represents the dignity of risk to me is that we allow people to do what they feel comfortable with and to push them along the way and then if they need assistance we're just kind of hanging out in the background saying like we got you we can help you out sit forward and face me sit move over just a little bit okay so to go forward we need to push the water behind us so we push when the blade is in the water and then it comes out and we push when the blade is in the water and what we're doing is pushing the water behind us and that helps us go forward <gasps> do you see the blade on the oars yeah you want that flat to the water so that you're pushing as most water as see, you can i'm glad i came aren't you yes okay you're in control now i'm gonna let go ah! my paw. Ow! Are you glad that I told you to come? Yes. This is my first time. Growing? Yeah. You're doing good. How's it feel? Good. Good. Anyone else want to row? We floated down the river, splashed through some rapids, had lunch, sprayed each other with water guns, and like all river trips, we eddied out at the boat ramp and wrapped up the trip. The NAC guides gathered everyone together under the shade of a pavilion just above the river, and Josh, one of those guides, led the group through a closing where folks shared what they learned and liked the most from the day on the river. We're going to go around. I want to know what your uh, 
favorite part was, what your least favorite part was, <laughs> and if you learned anything. My favorite part was the water fight. The water fight? We won. Yeah, we yes. won. They won that thing. And you met good friends. Met good friends. Yeah, like sweet. all these people here. Did you learn anything? The rapids were really fun. <laughs> no, we even named the first rapid. What'd you name it? Fox. Fox, like like fox rapid. The animal fox. The animal fox. I fox like it. Rapid. I like it. for sharing I uh, hope to see you guys all next year you will good Woo. Uh, those of y'all who are in Salt Lake come ski with me yeah Park City come ski okay yeah okay. we do the skiing as well up there at National Ability Center okay all right. in my days of guiding river trips and land trips one of the best tools for growth as a guide and for the companies was the debrief. The structured conversation among the guides that ask for reflection on the trip and the work performed and how things may improve next time. The NAC guides let us listen and even ask a few questions of their debrief as we drove back to the boathouse after the boats were all loaded on the truck and the trailer. What we're doing right now, since I'm driving, Karen, would you mind uh, taking the reins on the, yeah, on the debrief? Yeah, Can you tell me about your clipboard? Yeah, our clipboard is for the trip leader, and it contains our post-trip report, which is essentially our river debrief. Okay, so our first question, did the trip run smooth? Yes. I, I also think that the trip ran very smoothly. I don't know, I think it's just always great having turned down here. That was a really, really special day, and it was, uh, it was just nice to get back out here. Were there any incidents or near misses? No. Okay, what went well? I thought we did really good getting people in and out of the boats. Um, there was good teamwork there and good communication. I think that we came pretty prepared for the ability levels that we saw today. I think there was a little bit of a debate last night at the boathouse when we were rigging about how many adaptive chairs we would need. I'm glad that we brought three because those two adaptive chairs were, were super handy for two of our participants. A lot of times we bring these tools and then we'll you know, get a better gauge when we see the participant or when we talk to them. And a lot of it is about comfort. So, you know, when they get in the boat, are you comfortable? What else do you need? Can I put some padding here? Can I put a towel there? Sorts of things. This group was pretty excited to get on the river and pretty easy to work with. So I looked on the NAC website and I saw that in your mission, uh, these trips are really around building self-esteem, confidence, and lifetime skills. Are there little stories, little moments from this trip that highlight what we're doing out here? I think that us working towards our mission definitely shines through or is the most evident um, during our closing circles. Like today, I remember two answers that stuck out to me when we were asking uh, what the participants' favorite part of the trip was. One of them, 
who had mentioned that she was nervous before coming on the trip was saying that the rapids were her favorite part. So I think that's definitely showing that there's, you know, a new found level of confidence or excitement in uh, doing something that, you know, might be a little scary at first. And then also another answer was uh, when we asked, what did you learn? Someone said, I learned that I actually like doing this and I want to do bigger rapids now. I think that's exactly, you know, what I'm looking for making that available to people and, and showing them that like yeah you, of course you can go rafting like it's a blast and uh if if you enjoy it then it's here for you an adaptive chair size thank you goes out to the national ability center for inviting us and for hosting us on the water that thank you continues to turn for opening your doors to us and our questions and most importantly a Red River size thank you goes out to each of the participants for being so kind to us and for talking with us. And finally, a warm welcome and thank you goes out to Samara Rosen for joining the River Radius on the water and on the microphone and for joining in the editing and the producing of this episode. You will hear more from Samara this fall. Today's sponsors are Lava Box with the Portable Campfire and the Denver and Front Range of Colorado Nissan dealerships. You can find Lava Box on the web at www.fireanytime.com and on Instagram and Facebook with the same name, Fire Anytime Lava Box. You can find Nissan online at www.nissanusa.com. They are also on Instagram under Nissan. And on their website and in today's notes, you can find a dealer locator link. Be in touch anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. Thanks so much for joining The River Radius. What's the pirate's favorite food? Yarr! What's the pirate's favorite movie? Arr! What's the fence one? Which one? Fence. Oh, why do they keep, why do they put fences on cemeteries? Because people are dying to get in. <laughs> you know why they call seagulls seagulls? If they flew over the bay, they'll be bagels. What do you call a cow that's just given birth? Decaffeinated. Did you learn? Did you learn anything? Yeah. What'd you learn? How to be a sweet talker. <laughs>